0: Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, thanks for being at church today. Uh, What a great morning to be here. If I haven't gotten to meet you yet, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to show you my family real quick. Uh, This is my wife, Whitney, and our sons, Teddy and Riley, and we just love calling Woodlake home. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I've been coming to Woodlake for like 13 years now or something, and it's been so cool just to watch the faithfulness of this church family and God at work. Now, if you're new with us, we're in a series called Relationship Renovation, and I kind of want to walk you through what we've been talking about real quick. Uh, In week one, Pastor Jamie told the amazing, amazing story of a woman falling at the feet of Jesus, and through her story, we learned that God doesn't just renovate relationships, He renovates us as we go into relationship. Uh, And then last week, Pastor Jamie and Jen did an incredible job. Can you guys give it up for Jen real quick? Man... uh, (laughs) She did so amazing last week, and Pastor was all right too. Um, And they just talked to us a lot about what it means to be in a relationship and how God can work through it. And then on last Friday night, a week ago now, we had Demo Day, which was just amazing. And at Demo Day, they shared a stat that I wanted to bring up this morning, right as we get started. And here's kind of the full version of the stat that they shared. According to a recent study, about 67.5% of marriages that fail, failed because of a breakdown of communication. That stat is insane. Today, we're gonna talk about communication. And if you're a married person, we can always get better at this. If you're not married, we have to communicate to people all the time. And God's word has a lot to say about communication. Now they say that that is the number one cause of divorce. Well, I wanna show you what I think should probably make at least the top five. And so let me show you a picture of what I think should be the top five for the causes of divorce. Yes, of course, I'm talking about IKEA, if I'm being honest about it. Um, IKEA should definitely hit the top five. If you were here last week, Pastor Jamie and Jen shared their love of this store, but I'll be honest with you, for me, it's personal. Uh, Let me explain to you. So if you don't know me, I'm not super handy. And so a store like this makes a lot of sense. They say it's easy, it's not. Well, my problems with Ikea have nothing to do with putting things together. It has to do with the first fight we had as a married couple. Now we were on our honeymoon and we flew in and out of Dallas. And so our plan was kind of the last day of the honeymoon. We were gonna stop at Ikea in Frisco, get a couple of last things for her apartment that I was allowed to live in now. Um, And we were gonna pick it up and go home. Well, as we walk into Ikea, Whitney just wanted something to drink and she started heading toward the wrong part of the store. I knew that what she wanted was upstairs in the cafe. She went off to the left toward the cashiers. I had two options. One is I just walk with her and we see together, oh, this isn't right, we calmly go upstairs. Two, I make a sarcastic comment and my marriage almost ends in a week. I went with number two. And so my wife is starting to walk the wrong way and I don't know what it was. Like I had just been on vacation. We went out, we did a Disney thing. Like I had just hung out with Mickey. Why did I have a bad attitude? And so I'm walking toward my wife and as she's off in the distance, I said, okay, prove that I'm right. Now married people know I made the wrong choice and I would never, ever, ever say that again out loud enough for her to hear it. I might say it um, by myself a little bit. Today we're talking about how important it is to communicate. If there's some renovation that needs to happen in your relationships, if there's some things kind of behind the scenes that need work, I guarantee that communication needs to be a part of the process. If you're taking notes today, I kind of have one big idea I'm going to talk about all morning, and it's this. Our communication communicates. Our communication communicates. The way that we talk to one another, the way that we share with our spouse, the way we communicate is saying something to them. It's saying something to your kids, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. The way that we communicate says so much more than just the words that we're speaking. Today, I want to help us all do a little bit of work on our communication. If you're taking notes today, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs a ton. Uh, I know Pastor Mike mentioned it earlier. Go on your phone to the Bible app. You can follow along with all the verses we're using because we're moving pretty quick. The first one I want you to read is in Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Today, I want you to realize that everything you communicate is either giving life or it's bringing death. There's no in-between. The Bible says in another place, there is no such thing as idle words. We're actually accountable for the words that we use that don't mean anything. So today, I want us to work on the fact that it is our responsibility to speak life into those around us. Uh, When I was a kid, I remember there was that old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so, so not true. For the last few years especially, we've learned that so many of the words that have been spoken over us when we were younger or kids or even in our relationships, they shape who we are today. As we deal with uh, youth and college students all the time, so many students today deal with anxiety, depression, shame, guilt. And yeah, I totally believe the enemy has attacked our kids, but I also believe that those things find their root in words that were spoken over them. So married people, you've got some homework to do because the best example of communication is with you every single day at home. But the rest of us in the room that maybe aren't married today you still have a God-given responsibility to leave everyone better than they were when you found them. To leave everyone loving God and loving themselves a little bit more. Leave everyone feeling like they have life that they couldn't have had if you weren't in the room. As much as saying something bad about somebody or to them can hurt them, a good word at the right time can change absolutely everything. If you're taking notes, I kinda wanna break this idea down a few different ways today. The first thing we have to learn is this. What we say communicates. So our communication communicates, sure, but what we say communicates. Now, I know that seems so amazingly obvious, but until you start to study scripture, you might not realize just how much power is in the words that we say. Uh, Starting in the 70s into the 90s, there was one of these call-in radio shows. And so it was one of those counselor things, they would just call in, they would talk to this guy. Uh, His name was Bernard Meltzer. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. Well, if you haven't heard of him, you've heard a quote of his because people have been stealing it for years, changing it to make it their own. Well, I found out how he said it originally. And here's what he said. He had somebody calling in one night and talking to him about a communication problem. Here was his answer. He said, before you speak, Ask yourself if what you're going to say is true, is kind, is necessary, is helpful. If the answer is no, maybe what you're about to say should be left unsaid. So let's go back to Ikea for a minute. I'm comfortable with my trauma, you come with me. Okay, so we're in Ikea. Let's think through what I said. Was it true that the cafe was upstairs? Yes, absolutely, and I stopped asking myself those questions there. It was the truth, therefore I must say it. Hold on. That quote also said, is it kind? Well, you could tell by my tone here, joking about it on stage, you felt a little icky. Imagine how much worse it would feel if I was like married to you and you were supposed to be on your honeymoon. Okay, so not kind. Was it necessary? Here's where I get tripped up. My efficiency focused brain says, yes, it's necessary. She would have taken 10 steps she didn't need to take. That's inefficient. It's not necessary. And the last one, was it helpful? Clearly not. I did not want to even begin to think about my wife running into a women's restroom and me following her to have an argument in Ikea, but that's what happened and we're okay now. That's why I'm talking about this today. (laughs) So use your own example. I know mine's extreme, obviously. But when you're in communication with somebody, or even better yet, when you think back to that argument that you just had or that rough day at work with that coworker, think through what you said. Was it kind? Was it necessary? Was it helpful? Today, I want to look not just obviously at quotes, but the Bible has a lot to say about what words we say. I want to do a quick Bible study with you. Uh, the book of Proverbs is what's known as wisdom literature. There's wisdom literature that aren't necessarily spiritual. Like throughout the ages, people have written book, written books called wisdom literature. But here is the coolest thing. The book of Proverbs was designed by God to just help us learn how to live, so if you're new to reading the Bible today, and maybe you started off in the Old Testament, and you got confused in all the stories, let's just start with Proverbs. Because if you wanna know exactly what to do to live a godly life, it's all written right there. I, I found this great quote today or earlier this week about the book of Proverbs, and here's what it says. Wisdom literature is interested in giving its readers, especially young people, advice on how to cultivate virtue, avoid foolishness, and gain divine favor. Maybe you're in the house this morning or you're watching online and you don't even know that you believe in God. You don't believe any of this stuff and that's fine. Like I'm totally cool with that. I'm glad you're with us. But even if you don't believe those things, I think it would be helpful for us all to have virtue in our life. Even if you don't love God, it's good to like want to be a good person. I think it would be helpful for all of us to avoid foolishness. No one wants to look or sound like a fool. And then that godly favor, okay, well maybe remove the word godly off of it. I think we all want favor. We all want our lives to be better. So I don't know who I'm talking to today that's just trying this church thing out or you got forced into the room. Don't tune me out because I really truly believe that if you apply these principles to your life, even if you don't say you believe in God, something might just happen and change your life. Uh, Proverbs 15 says this, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Throughout the book of Proverbs, they use, there's this symbolism of a tree that happens all the time. Well, the idea is that a tree is a picture or a symbol of growth. And so whenever you see the Bible say that gentle words are a tree of life, what it means is that when you speak well and you speak kind and you speak loving to others, you are helping God to grow something good in them. Your gentle word can produce something in somebody else that will make their life better. Uh, Another proverb says it this way in chapter 16, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Family, I want you to today challenge yourself to start speaking words that would bring health to others. You know, throughout our marriage, we've attended counseling plenty, and that's why I can talk about the Ikea story and other things, but you know what I learned early on? I learned in like the first few days that we ever went to counseling, no counselor is ever gonna change my wife, and if that's my goal, I am paying way too much money for counseling. The goal of counseling and the goal of restoring and building and renovating relationships is not for the other person to change. It's for you to change, and as a result, the relationship gets better. But there is one little hack. If you want your spouse to act differently and act more like a person you like to be around, say kind words to them. Speak gently to them. Speak life over them, even when you are so unbelievably frustrated you don't even want to talk. When you share the love of Jesus with your spouse, it's amazing how that comes right back to you. So today, if you're going through something, you've already tuned me out and said, you know what, you don't know what my spouse did. You don't know what we're going through. I am telling you, speaking life anyway is only gonna result in good things. We are literally bringing health to those that we love. Uh, Another commentary says it this way, gentle, kind words by soothing the mind, give the body health. Over the last few years, there's been this whole movement that's like power of positive thinking. All they're doing is taking the Bible out of the Bible and saying that it's psychology. Yes, it's true in psychology, but God had it figured out first. When you speak positive words over one another, your literal body will change, your mind will change, your brain will change, your emotions will change, your body chemistry begins to change because the power of God works through our communication. Now today, I want to ask you one really difficult question. Please, if you're not taking notes yet, just write this one question down. When you're in communication with somebody, are my words helping or hurting? You don't get to have in between. You don't get to have ones that don't matter. Every conversation you have with somebody is either helping them or it's hurting them. You know, as a parent, that's really tough because that tells me that when I'm just not in the mood to deal with my kid or when I'm not in the mood to talk about something and maybe I go off when I shouldn't, I am literally hurting them. But the Bible tells me that when I speak life over my sons, I am giving them what the Bible calls a tree of life. I am speaking health into my kids when I'm patient and loving with them. So the first thing we need to understand today is what we say communicates. Here's the next verse I want you to read. We're in the book of Ephesians chapter four, and this one is probably even more challenging than Proverbs, than Proverbs. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's some really tough words in there. It says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So before you say like, I was just having a bad day, I was just frustrated, you saw what they did, it doesn't matter, the Bible says do not. Like there is no excuse for being a punk to the people that God put in your life. But it also says only use words that are good for building up. So now it's not just the pressure of you have to like watch your temper. You have to only say good stuff and you have to only build them up. Uh, This week as I was studying this, I'd never noticed this before. But this passage, when it says to speak the right words to one another, it actually means that you have to speak the right words at the right time in the way that they will hear it. It puts so much pressure on us. If I was reading a commentary and I didn't put this one on the screen, let me just read it to you. Our words should be as nails fashioned in a sure place, words suiting the present time and the present person for the edifying of the occasion. Y'all, we got some work to do. Now, if you're sitting in the room today and you are in a relationship, last week, Pastor Jamie talked about the five love languages. Well, often we hear of those and we feel like that's something just for married people. This is not just love languages within like marriage relationships. We all have ways that we can give and receive love to one another and it's helpful to know them. One of the most common ones is words of affirmation. While it is one of the most common, it is one that guys do not admit that we need at all. Like most of the friends in my life, I have never had a guy admit to me, bro, can you just affirm me today? I'm having a rough day. Like that has never, ever happened. I've been that guy. I've said that, but I've never heard another guy do it. And you know, as we hear these stories, a lot of the guys will check out and we'll think like, ah, that's me. And the wives will check out and you'll look over at your spouse, this entire message and say, see, you better watch how you talk to me. Well, hold on. (laughs) We need a firm too. Uh, Whenever I was, when we were first married, we were hanging out with this other couple and we watched this marriage series and it was really, really powerful stuff. But I'll be honest with you, the one quote that I remember from the entire thing was about this. The guy that was speaking, his name's Jimmy Evans, he's just like a marriage guru. This is what he does, is marriage ministry. And he said that guys need affirmation even more than their wives sometimes. He said that's why cheerleaders are in sports. And so he he talked about how much guys need affirmed. Well, my favorite quote of the entire thing is this. Let me read it to you. A guy will roll down a hill covered in razor blades and land in a pool of lemon juice just to hear one friend say, "'Dude, that was awesome!' and you know that guy. And if you don't know guys like that, hey, Woodlake Youth Meets on Wednesday nights, we'd love for you to hang out with the (laughs) seventh grade boys. That's a great way to learn this part of the guy psyche. Family, we all need built up. God has empowered us to build one another up. Today, I'm gonna talk a lot about our communication and maybe today, it's not about using the right words. Maybe you're like me and like you know how to use words a certain way, but maybe you just use too many of them. Um, when I was in college, my freshman year, I was in a youth ministry class. It was just intro to youth ministry. And our professor was talking about the differences between guys and girls to help us understand, look, you're gonna be ministering to all of them. There's differences you need to remember and learn how to work with. And I'll never forget this one chart that she put up that day. The chart was talking about the difference in words spoken by guys and girls every day. Actually, let me just show, you, show it to you. Uh, we kind of remade this chart. And so the chart says, guys, on average, men speak 7,500 words a day. On average, girls, women, speak 15,000 words per day. Now this chart is a little bit dated, so some of the statistics have changed, but you know what I see when I look at that? Well, let me just show you. I went ahead and remade it for my family, so let me put up our version of this chart real quick. So if you look on the left side of the chart, Whitney, on average, Whitney speaks 7,500 words a day. And on average, Brandon, that would be me, speaks 15,000 words per day. My problem is not using the right words, it's that I bury them in so many of the useless ones. The Bible has a lot to say about being very specific in our communication. So if you're taking notes today, here's the next thing I want you to get. What we don't say communicates. Okay, so what we say communicates. What we don't say communicates. There's a great quote by William Shakespeare, and no one says it better than him. He said, brevity is the soul of wit. What does that mean? If you want to look witty and smart and you want people to like you, just talk less. FDR said it this way. He said, be sincere, be brief, be seated. (laughs) My wife is getting blessed over there. Proverbs ten 19. let's go to what the Bible actually says about it. It says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I love the way that translation says it. Uh, another version of it in the Amplified, here's what it says. When there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. You know, as we were preparing this this week, I kind of went through it with Pastor Kendall and Rachel because Rachel leads our marriage ministry and she's so smart with all this stuff. And she brought up something that I hadn't really thought about with this passage. Our culture today tells us we have to make a stance and say something about everything. Our culture today, within a moment, like literally in five minutes, enough celebrities can repost the same thing and now everyone's looking at us being like, hey, you're a Christian, why didn't you repost this? Let me encourage you this morning, Jesus did not say something about every single issue. There is story after story where Jesus was just kind of hanging out silent in the crowd. And so if Jesus didn't feel the need to respond to every single person every time something comes up, maybe we don't need to either. In your relationships, and I'm going to talk to the marriage, married people for a minute, ask the Holy Spirit before you just say something that you know is going to hurt your spouse. We've all got that stuff, right? There's those things we need to share with them. They hurt you, you need to tell them how you felt, there's something going on, I get it. But speaking the truth to your spouse does not mean that you need to be inconsiderate when you do it. Sometimes there are areas in your spouse, and this is what Rachel and I talked about last week whenever I was talking to them. She was saying there are things that you don't need to nitpick about just because you're learning and your spouse isn't learning in this area. For me, I need to remember all the time that I am not taking a stand for truth when I speak up about some area that really doesn't matter. So family, in your relationships, this week, this month, even today you'll get to practice, I am sure. Just pause for a second and say, hey, what should I be saying? And if you don't know, don't just keep talking until you figure it out, because that's usually what I do. (laughs) 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 That was one of your 7,500 for the day. Let's see (laughs) it. I shouldn't have said that. All right, Proverbs 13:3. <laughs> the irony. Let me read this scripture: "Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything." <laughs> so we kid, we love each other and stuff. Just hang near us after service to make sure we're still good. Um, you know, throughout our marriage, clearly this has been something for us. And I'll be completely honest with you. When I heard that song, do it again today, this is what I was thinking about. Like for us, I know to you this all kind of feels silly and I was hoping it would. I want you to enjoy yourself this morning. But for us, communication issues were the source of our biggest struggles that we've had. There are counseling appointments that were like, it was good to be here. And then there were those days we needed to be there. And so many of those came from a lack of communication. You know what one of the worst things I did was? I took a scripture out of context constantly to excuse the way i was talking to her let me show you the scripture you've probably heard it before ephesians four twenty six says this don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil okay i want you to picture this with us we're newly married we get in some dumb argument late at night me a reverend telling my wife The Bible says we have to stay up and deal with this right now. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you. Some people get hangry, like when they're hungry, they get angry. I am straight up tangry. Like if I'm tired, I am the worst. I'm not fun at all. I get really fun for about five minutes. And then after that, it's terrible. So every night that we would argue, we would have these arguments all night, all night, all night. Well, finally, we go to our counselor and I'm going to bring it up and I'm ready to tell our counselor, listen, you know, as a Christian counselor, what the Bible says. And so I talked to her about it, and right there, our counselor swiftly sided with my wife. (laughs) And what she said was, when the Bible says, don't let the sun set, it does not mean stay up all night arguing. It means do not let 24 hours go where you do not reconnect, deal with the issue, and stay tight with your spouse. I actually saw a post about this just last week, and I couldn't find it again, so I don't know who to give credit to. But here's what the post said. Everyone says don't go to bed angry, but no one mentions not starting a stupid argument at 10 p.m. <laughs> Family, I'm not telling you not to say something whenever you have issues in your marriage. I'm not telling you in your relationships to just be foolish and just let things go. I am telling you that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom on when and how and what to communicate. Proverbs 29 11 says this, fools vent their anger but the wise quietly hold it back. There's a difference between having a conversation and just venting your anger at your spouse and those you love. There's a difference between me disciplining and parenting my son and me going off on him because I've had a bad day. So how do you know the difference? Maybe you've been with me this whole time, you're diving with me, you're like, okay, I get it, I'm with you, I need help, but what do I do? Well, like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about all of this. In James 1.5, here's what it says. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Family, I know that it's easy to talk about God in church. I know it's easy to pray in church. It's easy to worship in church. I know when you were mad at your spouse and you're dealing with something, the last thing maybe you want to do is stop and pray. But what if you did? What if you said to God, hey, I need wisdom because I do not know how to deal with this person. Can you help? God loves you and your spouse more than you ever could. So when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you do this, He will help you out. I'm going to give you three simple steps. It's simple, but it's not easy. Here's the three simple steps. Pause, pray, put them first. Pause. So don't just say what's on your mind. Give it a second. Pray. Legitimately ask the Holy Spirit to help you out. Put them first. Man, that last one's tough. You know, throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, whenever there was conflict, God like had his people's back. So how much more is God gonna help you out when you choose to handle your spouse the way he intended? So when we put them first, God is in the background taking care of everything. Philippians chapter two says it this way. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. This is how we make God happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. How would our communication change when we think of everyone better than ourselves? How will we talk to our boss differently if we see them as better than ourselves? How will we talk to that person in class that we just can't stand when we remember that God told us, no matter how annoying they are, we have to treat them better than ourselves? I'm going to give you a guiding question that this, out of everything, this is the most convicting for me. I'll just be honest. This has been the one I've dealt with the longest and has been the most difficult. Here's the guiding question. Am I focused on being right or am I focused on the relationship? You have to pick one. Okay, go all the way back to Ikea. If I was focused on the relationship, I would not have cared that my wife took 10 steps toward the wrong section. But I did because I cared so much about being right. And, you know, throughout our marriage, I don't know that I've ever won any arguments, but when I win, it doesn't feel like I win. Like when you win and you make your spouse realize they're wrong, you're the idiot, I'm not, you don't feel good, nobody wins. I I was looking up stuff this week and I found a great meme to sum sum up what happens when you win. Check out this picture. Relaxing after winning an argument with the wife. Now if you're sitting in the back and you can't tell, my dude is laying in the driveway with his dog celebrating his win. When you win, no one wins. It's only when we communicate loving to each other the way God intended that our relationship gets better. Now, maybe you're good at all this stuff. Maybe you know what to say. Maybe you're not a talker, so you're like, no, I actually don't say too much. Well, the last thing I want to talk about today is sometimes it's not what you said, it's how you said it. So many of the wise were mouthing that at me right as I said it. You guys got it. This is good. So I did not realize this was my issue. Like I thought for me, the middle one was the issue, right? I say too much. Sometimes they're not nice words, whatever. I did not realize this was the issue. And God has a way of convicting us through our kids even more than our spouse. So this happened literally last week. I was sitting in the living room. I'm working on something on my computer. And my son looks across the room and he goes, dad, why do you have mad face? I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about, buddy? I'm fine. Like, everything's good. And Whitney, without skipping a beat, goes, yeah, dad, why do you have mad face? <laughs> and I realized that the way I talk when I'm focused and thinking and paying attention to something, I have mad face. So today, as we close this thing down, I want you to think about the times in your own communication that maybe you've had mad face when you're even saying the right words to your spouse, even when you're saying, I love you, you're amazing, you're right, that sounds so much different than, I love you, you're amazing, you're right. Those feel different. So the last thing I want you to get today is this, how we communicate, communicates. So what we say matters, what we don't say matters. The last one, how we communicate, communicates. John Maxwell wrote this book called Everyone Communicates, Few Connect, and here's what he said in the book. People may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. Good. Studies have been done for this, about this for years, and I actually found one that's really recent. So this was like in 2019, which as far as like these studies go is pretty recent. Well, here's what it said. Communication is 55% nonverbal, 38% vocal, and 7% words only. Y'all, that's humbling. I'll be honest, like in our marriage, I from the very beginning of premarital counseling, I had a chip on my shoulder because the counselor said I had a very good emotional vocabulary and hers stunk. What that meant was I talked too much and I was arrogant about knowing big words. So those words don't really matter. The 7%, yeah, it's important. That's why I spent so much time on it. But if we don't deal with this other part, our heart's never gonna come through. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Whenever you study this, the Bible's saying it's not just about what you say. If you don't say it gently and you sound harsh, they're not going to hear your heart and you will sound nothing like Jesus. Jesus communicated to people with love. Jesus communicated in a way, and I can't wait till we're in heaven and I can actually hear his voice. Jesus communicated in a way to everybody that I love you no matter what you've done to me. I know you're a total idiot. Jesus wouldn't say that, but that's how it feels. Um, I know you've sinned. I know you've messed up, but I'm going to talk to you gently anyway. Jesus communicates to us like maybe your parent did when you were real little and you kind of made one of those first mistakes. Like, oh, it's okay. You don't know yet. God calls us to speak to each other with that same gentle tone. So maybe you've got the mad face thing going. Proverbs 15, 30 says this, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. Ephesians chapter four says this, one of the best verses on communication. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Look at this last port, growing in every way more and more like. Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When we speak the truth in love, we sound more like Jesus than we ever could. That doesn't say don't speak the truth. So this message is not telling you, hey, just hold it in. If somebody's living in sin, someone's struggling with something, don't call them out. It's fine. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus spoke the truth. Jesus talked about falling short. He talked about get your life right. Jesus talked about that stuff, but he always did it in love the words of Jesus always sounded like Jesus. John 13, 35, here's what Jesus said about it. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. At the beginning of the message, I told you that our communication communicates to everyone around us. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we had a new neighbor move in next door. And so we were all outside. We were in the driveway. I think we were getting out or getting in the van or whatever. Um, And so we walk over to say hi. It's this young guy. We struck up a conversation. We had a good time talking to him. Well, we were talking to him about our family, and we are like, hey, we'll be great neighbors. My wife made a point to say to him, yeah, our son's five, and then Riley ran over, and he was telling him about what he's into, and she's like, yeah, Riley will be outside playing a lot. The most you'll hear from us is a Nerf fight in the yard. That's all you're going to hear from us. We're cool. Well, my son, with his five-year-old selective hearing, heard his mom say something different. What she said is what you'll hear is maybe a Nerf fight every once in a while, but that's it. What my son heard and repeated back is you might hear us fight sometimes. So my son, without skipping a beat, goes up to the neighbor, and he doesn't even talk to strangers. He walks up to the neighbor, and he said, yeah, they fight sometimes. She yells, he doesn't. (laughs) And then that kid went on with his life like he hadn't just ruined us in front of our neighbor. (laughs) Now, the good news is he hadn't asked what I did for a living yet, and I didn't tell him. I'll be honest, that was equally convicting for both of us. For her, she realized my son can hear the way that she passionately uses those 7,500 words a day. But for me, what I had pride in and what I still am dealing with is that I can say things not out of love all the time, but I can use it in a tone that my son doesn't even realize what I'm saying. That was so unbelievably convicting for me. So family, I am not here to make you feel bad if you've had an argument in front of your kids. I'm not even here to say that you have to bottle everything up. I am here to say someone's always listening. So when we're communicating, would the people around us love Jesus more or not at the end of the conversation? As we get ready to close today, I I wanna help you fix it. You know this morning we have this kind of shell of a house up on the stage and if i'll be honest with you i don't know anything i don't have anything to do with this like renovation not my thing i wouldn't know what to do other than call bill if i needed help like that's it Um, but over the last couple years we had the blessing of being able to move into a new home we bought it during construction and during that process there is so much communication that happens like every single thing is a decision I remember the day that we got to go to the design studio and my wife was actually quarantined with my in-laws and I was left with friends mostly unsupervised to make decisions for our house. Luckily she liked all of it, but today I am living in what I communicated. Like for example, the real natural looking tile, the real light color I liked that looked so good on the showroom floor, there were no toddlers or five-year-olds in the design studio to show me that that light color might not have been a great idea. And today I get to live in that. Family, today you might be living in something that you built with your communication. Just like in that studio, what I said turned into tile and paint on the wall. What you have said has built something in your life. And so today, if your marriage is a wreck, maybe things don't look good. Maybe you would never want someone to come inside the house because of what it looks like. The first step today is admitting maybe some of my communication got us here. But... This series is called Renovation for a reason. Jesus Christ can change everything. He can rebuild everything that you built with the wrong words. He can erase every wrong decision. He can restore even the most broken relationship. If you weren't at Demo Day, we got to hear an incredible story of that, and they're actually telling the rest of it right now in class next Sunday. If you wanna hear the rest of that, go to the couples class, because there is an amazing story of restoration literally in this church but how do we do it? How do we come back when we've messed it all up? Well, I wanna read you one last passage and this one's from Jesus himself. He actually spoke this to his disciples. Here's what he said. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Family, today, if you struggle in this area, maybe you've said some stuff you regret, it's not about changing the words. We can work all that stuff out. You can take the notes from today and practice, but that doesn't really fix it. What fixes it is allowing Jesus Christ, the only one that can really change anything, to change your heart. Relationship renovation begins with heart renovation in both people. Today, maybe you're not married, maybe you're single, I don't know what your situation is. We still have some work to do. The things we speak to one another start in our heart. And if there's anything messed up in there, I promise it's gonna come out. It's what happens when you're tired, when you're lonely, when you've had a long day, what's really deep in there comes out. Well, let's let Jesus deal with that stuff. If you could bow your head and close your eyes all across this room. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short. That means we've all made mistakes. We've all messed this thing up before. But the Bible also says whoever will confess with their mouth and believe it in their heart will be saved. They can have relationship with Jesus forever. If you're here today and you want Jesus to do some work on your heart, well, the first step is to allow him in allow him into relationship with you. Maybe you're the person I was talking to earlier that you didn't even know you believed the Bible, but at the end of this, you're like, oh man, Jesus is amazing. You don't have to have it all figured out to accept him. So I'm going to count to three, and if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, if you want a renovation to begin in you, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. All across this room, I want to say yes to Jesus today. If you're here this morning and you need some renovation, maybe you've been convicted today and you're like, you know what, I just need to get right in this area. If you're here and there's something in your heart that Jesus needs to change, it doesn't have to be a big thing to cause issues and problems in our life. If there's something in your heart he needs to deal with, I'm gonna count to three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three, lots of us today, yeah. Family, would you pray after me today? Say, dear Jesus, you are the son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Forgive me. Make me new. From this day forward, I'm all yours. Change my heart and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.